0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Ramble, where today we're going to be getting our teeth stuck into the FA Cup fourth round clash against Man City. As always, I'm joined by my co-Rambler, Dom. How are you, mate? Are you good? Well, I don't know if you can tell by my voice, but
1: uh, I've actually been feeling quite poorly over the last few days and... uh... (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a struggle. I've been suffering with man flu. Um, uh, you know, uh, they, they they tend to say that it's from high testosterone levels in the body or something like that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm surviving, but we're, we're podcasting now. And um, how are you doing, mate? How are
0: you doing? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Yeah, you must be a very masculine man. That's all it is. You've just got super high levels of testosterone. You're just, just a very manly man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I have um, I was at the Etihad on Friday. So uh, that, that's why we're a little bit later than normal with the podcast. So just getting out of Manchester and whatnot. Plus, I thought I'd go out for a few drinks afterwards, obviously. When in when in Manchester, why not? Um, so yeah, that's why we're a little bit later than normal. But um, yeah, I'm really good, mate. I'm really good. Um, ah, good, should, good, good. should we get right... Should we get right into the game and and talk about maybe the the team sheet because that was the the big topic of discussion wasn't it whether Arteta was going to rotate really heavily or was he going to add a few in and, and keep the team strong like what were your thoughts with on on the team sheet initially um to be honest, I I genuinely wanted
1: um, Mikel Arteta to go quite strong in this game just because mm. I felt like yeah. b- before the match happened, I felt like we've not played Man City yet this season and it was the perfect opportunity to have like a dress rehearsal really for the league. Um, yeah. So I, I felt like, you know, obviously taking into account that we should be trying to win this competition as well, um, I felt like it would be a great opportunity for us to... To field our best 11 and you know work out, work out. Any, anywhere we might be vulnerable or any anywhere we can um, expose some of their uh, vulnerabilities so yeah I, I thought we should have gone strong in this game so I was a little bit disappointed when I saw the likes of uh, Rob Holding in the starting lineup um, I, I know he's he needs to get minutes uh, same with Tierney and Turner but um and you could also argue, where else would they get minutes? But, um, but yeah, but yeah I, I was hoping for a little bit of a stronger starting lineup. To be honest, uh, what about you? Mm.
0: Yeah, well, I, I know what you mean. Like may, maybe a few ex- bigger players in, in certain positions. But but like you say, like um, Turner had a really good World Cup, so he, you know he deserves to be able to show that in an Arsenal shirt. I, I imagine. Um, but I was. I was happy to see Trossard uh, on the team sheet, I must admit. Um, Martinelli, as we've discussed in in, in, a, in some previous podcasts, his he, form has slightly dipped, I would say. Um, that's natural, though. You know, it's, He's a very young player. It's going to happen. Um, but maybe this this competition for places is going to invigorate him back into life. And, and we'll obviously come back to that a little bit later in the pod because he does come on in this game. Um, mm. And, yeah, so I was happy to see Trossard in there. Um, Saka you know of all the players in the team I think Saka and maybe Gabriel at the back are probably the two that if we were going to rotate it maybe would have been them because they've just played game after game after game Um, Saka as well obviously a big big World Cup playing the majority of minutes so I was hoping that we could somehow get him rested Um, but we just haven't really got the options on, on the right have we like you know I was thinking, could we maybe get Trossard out there? But it's not a position that he plays a lot for, for Brighton, is it? No, no, I, I completely agree. And,
1: um, yeah, I was, I was actually really happy to see Trossard make his first start because he's, he's, uh, he's definitely good enough to be starting in these games. So uh, I, I wasn't really bothered about that. Um, and as you say, he... Could have maybe started on the right side of Saka because he's had so many minutes this season and he's had lumps kicked out of him all the time. But I do think yeah. there was something in that with starting Trossard instead of Martinelli just because of how his form, Martinelli's form, has dipped recently. Maybe just a little sign from Arteta to say that if you don't start picking up your form, then, you know, we've got other options. But uh, circling back to uh, what I was saying about the starting lineup, the, the only real worry that I had about having uh, Rob Holding at the back is because he was literally going to be going up against the Norwegian Terminator that's (laughs) early Haaland. And it's a bit of a tough ask to have a player come into the team that's not started, not really played too much, apart from sealing out the end of games for the last 15, 20 minutes. He's not started a game really for Arsenal for months to then be thrown in against what is you know it's the second best team in England at the minute but I mean you know they've got the players to potentially be the best uh, and yeah. the best one of the best strikers in the world to chuck him in there yep. I thought it w- it was a bit <laughs> like uh mm. it was a bit harsh um and asking a lot of Rob Holding. um but but yeah that was the only real place I, f- I felt like we were starting on a, on a bad foot a turn who is he's definitely more than competent to be able to 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 yeah. goalkeep well, and uh, Tierney can always do a, a decent job as well. Um, yeah. Same with Chossad but yeah, that, that's the only place where I felt like it was a, a real vulnerability from from Arteta mm. and the starting lineup. And um, but yeah, mm. yeah, I know what you're saying about Saka, um, but no, there really isn't anybody who can jump in for him. Uh, And I think that's something that we were trying to look for in the January transfer window and we're getting this winger in. But even that being said, when we were looking at Mudrick, he is predominantly left-sided as well. So I feel like maybe Arteta, I don't know if he's overlooking it or he just genuinely feels like Saka's indestructible and can play every second of every game.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we've got Nelson, obviously, that would normally... Potentially be able to come on, but obviously he's injured. We've got Marquinhos, um, but he's just not quite at the level I don't think yet. We've got players like Pepe out on loan, so it is some an area of of our squad that I think is going to need reinvestment at some point. He needs um, competition for places, doesn't he? Uh, He needs that drive to to keep to keep wanting to to perform at the highest level, but it's it's no surprise to me that he had a quiet game because I don't know what it looked like for you all, uh, watching on telly but watching in the stadium he he just looked knackered he, he just looked absolutely shattered um, and again it's no surprise with, with the with the uh, display that he put in against Man United
1: Yeah yeah that is true um, and also going up against a, a, a defence like Man City they're going to almost try and double up on you aren't they especially with saka's quality so they really did tend to nullify him and as you said he did look knackered and i think a lot of that was to do with the fact that he wasn't dovetailing with his usual partner of martin odegaard just to say because Mm. i really feel like the partnership between fabio vieira And Saka whenever it's fielded it just doesn't quite click right and there's sometimes the odd miss hit pass to Saka or it it doesn't quite go into his stride the way that he would like or Vieira might make the wrong decision and you can see that that builds frustration in Saka and it makes him stop wanting to make these runs in behind and and he, Mm. he stops trying to probe behind defenses and and that is Saka's real threat because he's a constant threat Whereas when he, he's getting frustrated with his own teammates, then he's, he's not going to want to do that. But yeah, yeah. B- before we get into um, uh, the actual match itself, I just wanted to ask you, because obviously you're used to going to the Emirates and seeing how the atmosphere has developed over the last few seasons. Um, mm. You're actually behind enemy lines on Friday night. <laughs> you were in the home end because uh, that's where you managed to get a ticket. Now, yeah. what... Was the atmosphere like at the Etihad? Like, was it, was it as quiet and as lacklustre as people make it out to be, or is that
0: a bit deceiving? No, it it was even quieter uh, than I thought it would be. Um, <laughs> I, the, the fans around me barely even got up to celebrate their own goal. It, it it was it was crazy i i went to the game with my brother neither of us are obviously man city <laughs> um associated with man city we just that's just how we managed to get tickets you know it's really tough to get away tickets but but the away fans for arsenal were brilliant and i don't know whether that had a bit of um a bit of something to do with it because they just shut up the etihad uh they were honestly they were amazing um and I was going to ask you the reverse question. You know, what was it like listening to it on TV? Was it was it super obvious? ROA fans were were ten times louder, or, or or was it, or did City seem to? Were the fans for City yeah. in it? Or any, I, I couldn't I couldn't quite tell. Obviously, being in the stadium, what, what did it sound like on telly? So
1: on the TV coverage, it was super obvious, but you you never know when you're watching it on the TV where like, they might have microphones that are near the away fans or whatever like that. But literally from start to finish, the whole game, all you could hear was the Arsenal fans cheering. Mm. Even, Even after we'd actually conceded in the game, yeah. You then, from the restart, you hear the Arsenal fans chanting Mikel Arteta's name. So it's like, oh yeah, you you, you you don't actually hear the Man City fans chanting at all for the whole game. I don't think they've even got any chance, have they? Like they've not really got yeah. any. Which which just shows how far we've come as a fan base, really, to be supporting our yeah. team. That we've got pretty much chance for every player now. Uh, which is mm. going to galvanise that player, and even the manager and the fans. We've got our own chance about each other. Like it's just, it's crazy that we're going to build and whip up this atmosphere every single game we go to, and even these empty, soulless grounds like the Etihad. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's amazing that we can we can bring the party there, and and unfortunately, in this game, it didn't translate on the pitch. As we thought it might have done, uh, it might have done in terms of a result, but we certainly uh, certainly made a decent performance, uh, and uh, especially in the first half, uh, Trossard right at the start of the first half looked like an enigma, really, didn't he? He was prodding, he was mm-hmm. probing, he uh, he did some good work down the left, and he actually pulled. A decent ball back to Tommy Asu. Of <laughs> I'm not sure why he was yeah. in this position on the edge of the box, but you probably want that to fall to to in- Inketi or someone. But it, it falls to Tommy Asu, who has a, a decent shot. To be fair, but it's straight at yeah. the keeper, and uh, they make a smart save. Now, what, were you impressed with Chassard's involvement in the uh, at the start of the first half?
0: Oh, massively! He, he was qu- quite clearly the spark for Arsenal in that first half. Um, everything was going through him on the left. He just had that little Santi Casola sort of style to him. He was hard to get the ball off and he would drive at the penalty area to then make it even more risky for the defender to go in because they ain't going to want to give away a penalty. Um, I think they had to readjust their back line slightly with um, with John Stones because he was putting him on his ass a lot of the time. Um, and he, yeah, like like you say, he he, he dug out that really nice... It was like a, an orthodox cross, wasn't it? It sort of just the bypassed everybody into the box, bounced towards Tommy Asso, and he's essentially half followed it. Um I think he's done you know, it was a tough ball to to get on target, never mind score from. So I think he'd done well to generate that much power and um get it on target. But yeah, it was a smart save. Um it was just um unfortunately we didn't have too many of those big chances in the first half and and um that those were the ones that we really needed to, t- to capitalize on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was certainly all coming through Trossard. Yeah. Yeah, and well, talking about some smart work from Chossard, he actually
1: managed to turn inside out and uh, snap John Stones's hamstring, which uh, <laughs> I-, I know you never want to wish uh, an injury on a player, but he's been integral to Man City's defence this season, and a hamstring's going to put him out for a good few weeks. So. You know, if there's any consolation from this game, then maybe Man City's defense have been, has been weakened a little bit from uh, from a bit of Trossard magic. But going on to uh, a bit further on into the first half, um, with with my worries pre-game about the selection of Rub Holding, it did seem like every single time him and Harland were getting into a bit of a tussle, Harland was coming out on top, and. I was having I was having flashbacks to a way at Spurs last season where he was trying to manhandle him a bit too much. And then he eventually got himself a yellow card. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. This is this is going to be a red for holding and then it's going to be a disaster class. So, um, yeah, he got that yellow card and um Every single time, if there's, there is a positive, um, every single time the ball got played in behind, and he managed to beat holding, Turner was really alert and really he had a really good starting position, and he yeah. managed to clear the ball. I think it was a good three or four times he came out and cleared the ball from Harland. who was beating holding, so that's always a positive to see that Turner's alert and he's on his uh, on his toes.
0: Yeah, you could tell that was that was uh, purposeful. I think they they knew that. That was one of the main their, their main sort of offensive strategies is to get it to Haaland and, and knock on the ball and, and go through and, and Turner was equal to that. So but I've seen Holden getting a lot of stick for this game and, and I feel I feel obliged to defend him a little bit. I, don't get me wrong, Holden is not someone I want to see start for Arsenal week in, week out. He's not at the level 100 percent Saliba and Gabriel um miles ahead. But I didn't think he did too bad, especially on the physical side. It wasn't just Holden grabbing hold of Haaland's shirt. It was vice versa as well. They both went toe-to-toe. Um, and I don't think you could say Holden came off worse physically. Yes, he got beaten, stuff like that. But, you know, this is one of the world's best number nines and against one of our weakest squad players. I think he did okay. Um you know, I I just feel like I need to defend him slightly on, on, in that respect, because I've seen a lot of people slating him, but you know, he's never Mm. going to be starting games for Arsenal. We we don't, you know, I think for for him to come in, like you say, probably one of his first starts since that Tottenham game that really meant something, you know? Um, So in the back of his mind, he's probably still a little bit scarred from that, that, that Tottenham performance where he got sent off. And, um, I thought he yeah. did all right. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. One of the weak weakest performance in the team, but still, still happy with with what he contributed.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know if maybe um, the perception of holding might have been moulded from people that have watched it on the telly. Then maybe because I think so. it, it, it might have been the commentary because they were really beating him up to to say like um, he was struggling with Haaland and. You know, Mm. where where they start to say, oh, he's really having a bad day, isn't he, Holding? And, oh, he's got a yellow card already, so he's going to be on eggshells the rest of the game. But from what I could see that was, you know, not influenced by that was the the sheer difference in quality in terms of, well, pace, really. You know, we're so used to Saliba motoring towards the ball, and he's also got all the physical attributes that Holding's got, but Saliba... Is so much quicker. He he eats up oh. the ground with his his big strides. But you could tell whenever the ball was knocked through to Haaland, he would he would have the run on holding quite easily. So that was one yeah. thing that, which was worrying um, worrying from yeah. the start. But um, but yeah, I, I, I do agree. He he did he did all right. But I think it was yeah. a good idea for him to get changed at half time because you know oh, he was yeah. it, it, it it would have been too much of a risk to have. Rob Holding on a yellow card versus Erling Haaland, <laughs> but um, 100 percent. We did have quite a few sloppy passes in the first half, which isn't usual of Arsenal. I don't know if that was maybe Man City doing well to counter press and cut it out, but it, I think it just it was players like Tommy Asu who were who was um, just. Tommy Asu and Vieira, sorry, they just didn't quite make the passes. Uh, I don't know if that's just rustiness because they've not played for a long time or mm. uh, I'm not sure it, what it is.
0: I, I honestly, I think it's to do with Vieira. He, he just, he's not in the positions that we need him to be in. We really need to figure out how to get him into the game more. He's, if you, if you watch Odegaard week in, week out, he's always there. He's leading the press. He's always available for the pass. You remember that assist that he, that amazing assist where he just sort of bent it and his own half for Martinelli and he, he you know, he probably should have squared it but he popped it away. Remember, remember that assist. He's yeah. always there. He's always getting into space. Always wanting the ball. Vieira is almost the opposite. He's a hi- He hides away from it at times. That was something I, I really noticed. And even my brother, a neutral, he said, you yeah, know, who's that guy? He's he's just not in the game. Um, <laughs> so. I'm really. I'm starting to get a little bit worried, you know, uh, with Vieira. I, I don't want to get on his back too much, but we need to figure out a way of how to utilize his strengths. Yeah. Um, utilize his strengths more because at the minute I'm, I'm not seeing the comparisons to Odegaard that that we need to be seeing. That makes yeah. Sense. yeah, I completely agree. And, and I think it just shows
1: you the the qualities of Odegaard when he's not in the team. It shows you how important he is to our whole setup. Just because yeah. whenever, whenever we've got the ball, Odegaard is demanding the ball from every player that's around him. He's saying, give me the ball and I'll make something happen. And when we've not got the ball, he's demanding that all the players are, are, are chasing and pressing and he's, he's hounding and harrying every player. But yeah, with Vieira, he he just he kind of shies away from getting the ball, and when he gets the ball, he then tries too hard to make a pass or make something happen. But you know, if he, if he's he's trying to force it sometimes, when you know, it's, sometimes it's better just to to rotate the ball and recycle and get the ball and work it into the perfect area to then make the pass um yeah. and i don't really think it's a physicality thing because odegaard's not the biggest or strongest guy really uh, you know he's he's quite good on his feet he doesn't get pushed over he didn't get pushed off the ball that much but you know he's not massive uh, it, but he's got all of the all of the know-how and technical quality to be able to <laughs> be on the ball and control it and be able to pop off the pass with the right weight at the right time and he makes the right decisions most of the time Odegaard um but yeah I, I do think that in that really important area of the pitch attacking area of the pitch we need to have someone like Odegaard and uh unfortunately Vieira's in the last few times that I've watched Fiera he's looked underwhelming and um mm the the price tag that we had for him is starting to you know it it looked like a bargain at first when we got him but now it's almost starting to look like we might have overpaid for this guy so fingers Mm. crossed his form does really start to pick up
0: yeah when when you saw those goals and assists that he had for um port was it porto i can't i think it was porto Um, yeah yeah and um you start to think, bloody hell! Oh, like you know, if if you can replicate half of that in an Arsenal shirt, then then we're we'll, we'll, we're laughing. But I'm just not seeing any any creative spark from him. You know, um, it's disappointing to see they're not getting huge minutes as it is um, our squad players. Partly because I don't think Arteta fully trusts them. You know, we'll get onto it in a little bit later. But there's there's also the same that could be said about Lacunga. You know, this mm-hmm. this should be a game that you'd think maybe would be built for Lekonga. You know, he's, what is he, 23 years old now? He's getting to that age where it's you need to start performing or we're looking like we're going to have to get rid of you because 23 is, yes, it's young, but it, you should have sort of been, sh- you should be showing your ability by now. So... You know, it's these players that need to really take their chances uh, and perform in these games because they're not going to get it week in, week out in the Premier League. And if they do, it's going to be for 10, 15 minutes at the end of a game where um, it's going to be difficult to show it. We've seen it with Akhetia. Yeah. He, he really struggled to show his ability in these little cameos that he had in the Premier League. He's now had, well, the back end of last season, he had a big chunk of games, showed really promising ability, scored tons of goals. Mm. He's now getting it now again. And, You know he's the best thing since sliced bread again because he's scoring, Um, he's getting minutes, and he's taking his chance. I I just really hope that that they can turn this around. But but yeah, we'll obviously get into Lukonga a bit more in the second half when when he comes on. But but before we (laughs) do that, should should we talk about the um, the substitutions that we made at halftime? So we had um, Holding go off for Saliba, as we've discussed. Uh, or touched on previously. Um, this is c- clearly a tactical one, isn't it? Like he's on a yellow card. We need to get Saliba in. He's got more control. He's better out at playing out at the back. So that one kind of speaks for itself. So, but with the with the parte substitution, w- were you worried uh, uh, with this injury? I think I think we're uh, out the clear now. As in, we've had confirmation that it's not as serious um, as first thought but were you panicking a little bit when party went off uh, absolutely because you know <laughs> you see the
1: drop off in quality even in this game as like a microcosm of our season last season when party is not on the pitch and we have the alternative who in this game was lakonga we really do have a drop off in quality a massive drop off in quality and it was it was so worrying to see him go off injured because of you know his recent injury history in an arsenal shirt he he tends to have months out of the team so uh, and his rehab usually takes a while and then he gets he gets uh, back into the team and then gets injured again and that's what we really could do without for the last few months of the season so yeah uh, in fact, I would say, I would go as far as saying Partey has probably been one of our top three most important players this season in terms of getting us to the position that we're in. And mm. I would say he's as integral as if he's not in the team for the remainder of the season, then we can just kiss the title goodbye. So, yeah, every Arsenal fan is going to be <laughs> panicking when they see him down injured. But um, yeah. what you said about Saliba as well, yeah, it was. It was uh a smart decision from Arteta to to bring him on for Rob Holding because of you know how Haaland was starting to get the better of Manny Akanji and also everyone pre match everyone wanted to see Saliba versus Haaland. Everyone wanted to know mm. like what was going to happen there and who was going to outmuscle who or whatever. So it's good that he ha- he's had a bit of experience uh, uh, with defending yeah. Haaland before we go into um, the league fixture, which I am sure Saliba will be starting that
0: game. I hope so, <laughs> because he did. He did. It was yeah, like you say, it's like one of the world's best young centre backs versus one of the world's best young forwards. So yeah, it was a, a like a little clash in that respect, and and um, Saliba clearly did show the golfing class between him and Holden, no, no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, it's just his his calmness and the way he just keeps the ball flowing and his ability to play out from the back it's it's integral especially with the way arteta wants to play it's um yeah it, it's it's key to to um to his philosophy and you can't help but think oh, i wonder i wonder if it would have been slightly different if Saliba would have been on from the start but mm. this is the oh. conundrum that 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 he's got
1: Yeah, or what I was going to say is what what felt quite unfortunate really is the fact that we had all the progressiveness of party in the first half, but... The, the lack of progressiveness from holding. And then it kind of flips when you made those substitutions. So then you had Saliba, who was progressive, and calm on the ball and, you know, he, he's kind of press resistant and he's able to play it out. But then he then had Lakonga to go to, who is more of a side-to-side El Neni type. Uh, and he yeah. doesn't really make those killer forward passes. So I wish we had... A, a 10 to 15 minute spell with both Saliba and Partey in, in that mm. kind of right side of the middle of the park, because that would have been interesting to see if we could actually formulate and develop some more attacking threat. But unfortunately mm. that wasn't the case. And um, yeah, you, yeah, you you really did notice a drop off in our midfield when the uh, came on. It, it's not even, it's not even his individual performance, which, uh, which is disappointing. It's the fact that it looks like he doesn't really gel with the other players around him. His partnership with Xhaka is lacking. It's not as as great as Partey and Xhaka. And you can tell that players don't really trust him like they would Partey. They don't trust him to get the ball on the turn and maybe spin a player. They, they, They know when they pass him the ball, say if Saliba was to pass Lukonga the ball, then he's going to get it straight back. So... Yeah. More often than not, he's reluctant to pass to him, and he's going to try and force it out mm-hmm. wide, and then we're going to go into that horseshoe of doom. So, it's it's, <laughs> it's a bit it's it's not really what you want to see from a, a young lad. You want to see a bit more bravery, really, on the ball to try and emulate things that Thomas Partey could do but it was it was interesting as well because there was a clip go around online of uh, when you're talking about Nketiah and Lakonga and their different perspectives and it was of our All or Nothing series and um, they were sat at the table having lunch and they're basically asking Lakonga like how you doing you seem quite sad recently and he's like oh well I just feel down because I was playing and I'm not playing anymore and then Nketiah with his mentality he goes You think you're the only player that's not playing... He mm. says a few expletives as well, but I'm not going to say them. <laughs> you, you think you're the only player that's not playing, you know, when you do play, you've got to take your chance, that kind of thing. And it Actually. just shows you that in Ketia, he's happy, he's happy, he was on the bench. And then when he did play, he's played well and he's taken his opportunity. And it's like Gabriel Jesus is just having a holiday and he's going to come, <laughs> come back and it won't even be like we've missed him. So, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's the difference in mentality. And that's the sort of mentality we need in our squad.
0: 100% yeah and he, he he could have easily have gone to another club uh, with his contract expiring he could have easily gone to a you know a palace or somewhere like that and, and probably be banging in goals from the starting lineup week in week out but he chose to to fight for his place at Arsenal and because he believed in himself and, and you just don't see that in Laconga but um I'm intrigued um, to to know your thoughts on the actual goal um, that, that City scored. So it's sort of initially a, uh, a great effort by Alvarez that sort of ricochets off the post, um, scrambles about a little bit, eventually comes um, through to Ake down on the left, which is not someone you'd really associate with um, a nice finesse shot, but he seems to to bend it round into the uh, into the far post, side netting and scores. Now, a lot of people have been criticising Lukonga's positioning for this goal. Now, obviously, in the stadium, when I'm watching it there and then, I'm I'm, I'm not really focused on his positional, um, or his positioning, I should say. So, But I've obviously seen the replay since. And he is sort of in no man's land, almost. He's sort of sidestepping one way, sidestepping another Um really should be closing that gap down, not allowing um, Ake to come on his right. Um, but as I just said, Ake is not normally the sort of player you'd associate with that sort of ability. So so do, do you associate um, a, a little bit of blame towards Lokonga's positioning there? Or do you think it's just a great goal that, you know, um, we have to accept that, you know, wasn't a lot we could have do about it? Eh. A bit of both, really. Um, Laconga could have maybe
1: had a little bit of a better position to be able to cover that angle um, because realistically from that position, that's the only way that Ake's can score because everything else is covered by Turner Um, and I think there's a second player there as well that's potentially covering the near post. So that is the only way that Ake is able to score that a goal. But that being said, it is an absolutely wonderful finish and you don't expect a player of who's a defensive player and he doesn't normally, you know, show that, that striking ability. You don't expect that from him. So you can understand why it's taken our team by surprise and... Uh, you know, if if anything, you've just got to give full credit to Nathan Ake because it is a wonderful finish. And if it was one of our players, for example, if it was um, like Kieran Tierney who had scored that, you'd be like, mm. "Wow!" Like you would be, you would not expect yeah. him to have scored that goal. So, yeah, I guess you've got to give him credit, and maybe it's a little bit harsh on Laconga saying like, "Oh, well, if you were here, then you would have blocked it." But because mm. you know, he's 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 in the right area to be able to defend him from like stopping him from running towards the goal or making a pass, just maybe not the Mm. shot, but you would hope from that angle that Ake wouldn't be bending that into the the bottom right-hand corner. And then you you feel like if it it curls into the centre, then Turner would deal with it. But I think the only time really you would expect a player to be covering that uh, covering that angle a bit more is on the other side where a player like Mares is cutting in because you know you yeah. know that Mares is going to bend it you know that Mares has got the ability to do it so then you're going to be in that position but you just don't expect it from Ake but yeah I, I, no. you've got
0: to say fair play fair play from me I think I agree To, to I don't want to jump on his back too much because um yeah he's sort of caught in two minds isn't he like does he go and and become that extra man to stop him from coming in on on his right or does he protect that space on the edge of the box which probably someone with more ability is going to be there waiting to to strike the ball so the only thing is you've got to do one or another you 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 can't just leave yourself in no man's land um Mm. so but I think I'm I'm leaning towards more of your point of view on this one. It's one of those goals where it's a good goal. Turner won't gonna save it. No keeper is saving that. It's just a great finish. Um, it's a shame. Um, City City took their chance where where we didn't uh, with the ones that we were given. So um, it was a little bit of a stalemate in that respect. But um, City just slightly edged it. So. It's, it's it's just one of them. It's just, it's kind of just fair enough. Do you, yeah. Do you think? Do you think um, that these links with um, Lacongo away um, uh, could come to fruition? I've seen, I've seen that Monaco are, are sniffing around him. Do, do, I know I'm sort of going on a little bit of a tangent here, um, but I'm just interested. Well, we're talking about Lacongo. Whether you think that could be uh, something that Arsenal will be interested in, uh, or do you think? that they're going to wait till, till, till the summer before they make a decision on whether a loan or, or something like that would be more suitable. Mm,
1: well, going off what I said before about his mentality, he does seem like the sort of player that is only really interested in his own minutes and his own development. It doesn't seem like he he's like a, a, a team player in the sense that he's happy to sit on the bench to then contribute from the bench. Mm. Sorry, uh, cold in that. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, I can uh, I could actually see that happening. I can see him maybe going for a loan just because he he really wants to get the minutes and be back on the football pitch. Which I, I guess every football player wants to be playing football. Um, yeah. But I think. Arsenal and Arteta would be reluctant to uh, to send him on loan at this time of the season, just because of how light we are in that area. We've there was rumours of an El Nenny injury not long ago as well. So I, mm. I think if you do get rid of Conga and you have an El Neni injury, then you've literally just got Partey and Jacker. And you know we Partey got injured uh, during the Man City game, so we would be left without no one really. You, you could maybe uh, I've seen. You know, uh, I've seen rumours of Ben White's been practising defensive mids in case he's needed to go there and uh, Tommy Asu cover on the right-back position. But we don't want to be messing about and trialling players in positions they've never played at this stage of the season when every single game could be a title decider, potentially. So I feel like it would be a bad decision to... Although he's performed poorly, it would be a bad decision to be loaning him out because he can make a contribution especially in like the europa league because we've still got quite a few games to play in there um i know we're going to be in the latter stages of that so we're going to be playing some bigger teams but y- you know that you know if we get a, a final um, wrapped up um it, it's hmm. still two legs in the uh, europa league for example if we if we have a game uh, a, fi- a fixture wrapped up in the first leg then he could maybe be used for some minutes in the second leg.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know if it's still two legs or not. I'm not too sure on that one, if I'm honest. Um, the format seems to change all the time. I can never keep up with it. Um, <laughs> but-
1: yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we'll be in the Champions League next year, so we'll know what the format is for that. Yeah. Uh, but fingers crossed. <laughs> but to, to be honest, even Roy Keane, he he was saying on the commentary last um, on Friday night, is going someone said oh well hopefully arsenal will be in the champions league next season and he was saying it's like watch on about don't be stupid of course they're gonna be in the champions League." that was an awful irish accent by the way but he basically (laughs) basically just ridiculed the other commentator saying of course arsenal are going to be in the champions league which i guess Mm. at the start of this season when you think about things retrospectively that was our aim that was our ambition we wanted to get into the champions league and it does look like we're going to achieve that so you know, it, if all else fails and we do end up, you know, falling to second or third this season, you, it will be disappointing. But you've got to remember, we came fifth last season. We didn't even make yeah. the Champions League spot. So, if we we're in the Champions League next season, then that is still progression.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, just going back to Lukonga slightly because I just want to end it on a on a positive note with the Lukonga discussion. Um, I do think he came into the game a lot more um, once you know that was the first ten fifteen minutes of cobwebs blew blew off. I do think he 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 showed a lot more of what he he can do, and he was moving the ball quite nicely. Um, so I still see I still see it there. If you know what I mean, there's there's something there. We just need to harness it in the right way. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just hopeful that we can we can do that. I, 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 like like you said, I don't think loaning them out now would be the right decision. You know, we haven't got the players to be able to facilitate that. The the only way that a move would make sense is if someone came and you know smacked forty million on the table or something like that. <laughs> I think that the the rumor was eight million from from Monaco, which is laughable, really. Um, so. Yeah, there's no chance. We we need to keep him in the team and um and maybe make a decision in the summer. Um, but I, yeah. think I still see something there. It's just I think we need to to use him in the right way, surrounded yeah. by the right players. Maybe maybe it's it's too much of a rotation. Sticking Vieira in alongside him, he needs to play with maybe a parte and an Odegaard alongside him to learn and, and have better protection um, but yeah mm. I guess this is something we'll have to, to wait and see Do you know what um, he um, reminds me of sorry to interrupt do you know what
1: no, Laconga no. this season reminds me of he it, it, it kind of has uh, it, it sounds it, it reminds me of Tavares last season where mm. he has these little glimpses of really good quality but Every so often, he, whenever he gets thrown back into the team after he's had a spell out, he just has a bit of a calamitous performance. So I don't know, maybe he needs to do like what Taraz has done and go on loan and be able to get some full time minutes and really, you know, polish his game to be able to be a first team starter. But yeah, mm. yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Especially if we get Champions League as well, because the, the, we're not going to have the luxury of playing the the the, the European minnows. Uh, uh, you know, with all respect, a Champions League group stage tends to involve four solid good teams that, that on their day can can beat anyone. So it's it, yeah. it's sort of it's going to limit his game time even more. Um, so maybe alone does make perfect sense, but. Yeah, um as like as you mentioned with Tavares, um he's gone and he's he's performing pretty well. Um that's only going to increase his value. Um and you know potentially maybe we we decide to to cash in and, and profit and and reinvest elsewhere in the squad. Because you oh, yeah. probably argue the fact that, that Tavares has never really been an Arteta type player, is he? He's he's a he's a an attacking fullback. I don't that's almost yeah. Yeah, exactly what we don't want. He's a wing back, isn't he? Uh, yeah, so I, I think the thing with Tavares though is he was quite a low-risk
1: signing. He came in for a low fee. he's a young player, and I feel like, but we've we've made sometimes when you take these punts on young players from different leagues, sometimes they're not going to work. But if they are mm. f- uh, for a low price, then you know it's low risk, and potentially send them out alone. If they have a good season, then you can recuperate some of that money back. And not every mm. single player that you try and recruit is going to be an absolute gem in the rough. Um, so to speak so yeah. I think we might have got it wrong with Tavares just because you can't see him making a way back into this team above like the likes of Zinchenko with how incredible Zinchenko's been playing re- well all season but most notably recently and the m- impact that he makes when he turns into that third midfielder when he plays that inverted role there's there's not a chance in the hell someone like uh, Tavares would be able to p- perform that role to the same standard that Zinchenko would so yeah, uh, uh, it's just another example of Arteta and how he he knows which players aren't good for us. So then he filters them out and brings some, someone else in. He's got this vision, he's stuck to it and, you know, we're top of the league. So it's obviously paying
0: mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Okay. So before we, we sort of summarise the game as a whole, um, one other little thing I, I just thought I'd, I'd like to mention is is around Martinelli's um, impact that he made off, uh, off the bench. Um, sitting in the stands that looked it looked as if he's starting to to find that that little bit of form back again um I mean we've mentioned it previously that he's, he started to look a little bit leggy and um putting not the usual performances we've seen from Martinelli which you know is to be expected he's a young lad um but w- what did you think of his little cameo today for me it looks really really promising
1: Well, to me, it looked like someone who had seen for the first time in a long time that his position is under threat by someone who's got real potential quality in Trossard. (laughs) He... With how well Trossard played at the end of the last game in the United game and Martinelli having a bit of a poor performance in that game and then how well Trossard performed at the start of this game, it really did seem like Martinelli came on with a point to prove, which is great. This is what you want from your attacking players. You want them to be reinvigorated to to want to contribute into making as well helping his score and helping his attacks so yeah it, mm. it it really did look like cuz he was he was trying to take players on he was um, mm. trying to make things happen making the game tick and these are things which we love about Marcelli which he recently hasn't been doing because i don't know if yeah. he's looked tired or if he is just felt like you know this is my position now so I can do what I want kind of thing. But yeah, it definitely looks like he's he's trying to... He's like that young 18, 19-year-old Martinelli again where he's really trying to perform. So yeah, it's really great mm. to see and uh, I, was, yeah. I was happy with his performance when he came on.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think of, of the main positives from this game, I think that's one of them because a, a reinvigorated Martinelli could be huge, especially with Saka maybe looking a bit fatigued as well. We need... We need at least one of them firing, you know, to go alongside Eddie and, um, and to, to get these goals. So I think that could be huge. Um, the fact that Trossard's pushing him for places as well is huge. Uh, I think I'm abs- I know we've said this a couple of podcasts ago and, and we were talking about the Trossard signing. And, and initially I was a little bit like, ooh, you know, he doesn't seem to give me that same um, buzz as like a Mudrick would have done. But. I'm 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 eating my words already slightly because the impact he's made in these two two games already is massive. So I think he's gonna be he's gonna be really big for the for the latter stages of the Premier League. So that's that really is a big positive. Um so as we summarize, um I've seen a lot of people the pre and post-game talking about this fixture as like a, a real psychological battle. Um, and who and whoever comes off worse is going to have a bit of a blow for the upcoming Premier League games. So, obviously, we've still got to play home and away. Um, in my opinion, I think we went toe-to-toe with Man City. I think it was a very close game. I think, um, yeah, Man City shaded it, especially in that second half. We rotated a lot more than them. Um, so, realistically... I don't think we've been dealt any blow whatsoever. I think, if anything, there's positives to come out of this game uh, and I'm I'm not really devastated at all. Um, uh, we've also got the caveat of we've now got less games to play for the, the Premier League. Um, I know a lot of people will be like, you know, you're clutching at straws there. Um, everyone wants to win the FA Cup. Yeah, I would have liked that, you know, but but we haven't. And there's a positive that, have, that has come from that. So what, what are your overall thoughts from the loss? Are you, are, you, are you sort of optimistic around it still?
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that uh, I don't think Arteta is going to be too down about it. I, I think Arteta and Pep Guardiola, they're both psychological powerhouses, aren't they? They, they, they love to play the psychological game, but... I don't. I don't think either of them are going to feel like they won up them because even in the post-match conference with Pep, he didn't really give off the impression that they were the better team either. He kind of said we we were two even teams. We kind of cancelled each other out, cancelled each other out, and we just took our one chance that we had, and Arsenal didn't take any of theirs. And that was pretty much all it was. There wasn't any Mm. dominance from either side. So. To go away from home to a Man City team which has all of this quality and wealth and depth, to to be able to go toe-to-toe and not really look dominated at all the whole game, it really is encouraging. And it gives me massive confidence going into the game when we play them, especially when we play them at home. I feel like mm. we are going to be really up for that game and let's not forget as well we we actually did have a few changes like those 45 minutes of this game where we had holding on the pitch we had le on the pitch you know um not our first starting lineup we had trossard i know how good he's been but you know a reinvigorated martinelli is better than a trossard so to speak so uh, in my opinion uh we had vieira play we didn't have Odegaard play the game and we, we went toe to toe and we nullified each other. So it it gives me massive encouragement when we do have our our best players playing and we're playing at home and we're playing in a competition, which let's face it, we want to win. We're Mm. really in a good position to win the league. And it's the first time we've been in this position in just under 20 years. So, uh, Just under, just over, I don't know, I can't do maths. But, um, yeah, we're we're in this position for the first time in a long time and we've won so many FA Cups. Uh, I I do love winning the FA Cup, but, you know, if Man City win the FA Cup this season, then the team that's won the FA Cup the most times in history is still Arsenal, so,
0: you know. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that's a real good point, actually. Um, So, score, not score predictions, um, how many points do you think we will take uh, bearing in mind this this game and 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 this this psychological battle uh, and how we've come out the other end, what, what what do you think? How many points do you think we'll take from the home and away fixture?
1: Uh, I think if we can take four points from the two games, then I I think we will win the league. I think just based off that, four points from Man City, we we would win the league. But I. I think we'll win at home. I uh, I genuinely think we'll win at home. And then I yeah. think away I I don't think we'll win away. I think it will either be a draw or a loss away. So I'm going to be optimistic because I'm usually quite pessimistic in my in my predictions. So I'm going to say four points uh, a home win and a away draw. What about you?
0: Yeah. Uh it's a tough one to predict but yeah like like you say if we can get if we can get a win, you know, whether it's home or away, whatever, if we can get three points from that. Um, I think we've nullified it, haven't we? We've cancelled each other out. We're winning our other games. They're not winning as many of their other games. Uh, if we can keep this form, we'll going up until May. Then, then like you say, we're we're going to be in with with a good shout. So, yeah. Um, also, you know, I'm t-
1: sorry. It's also important to remember, even if we get two draws in those games, then we have completely nullified them as well. I know there might be other teams that are catching us by that point um, or potentially gaining points on us. But if we were to get two draws in the two fixtures yeah. against Man City, that really isn't a bad result either because you know it stops them from getting points. Um, mm. And yeah, if, if it is a two-horse race at that point and we get two draws, then I'll also be happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Okay, so... I think that's pretty much about it for the game is is there anything else that you want to talk about or that we may have missed before we move on to the juicy transfer talk that's that's doing the rounds Oh, uh,
1: no, the only thing that I would say from the game, which is a, a bit of a, a funny thing to watch on TV, is uh, when Haaland went down and uh, he had the head injury, all you could hear for the whole time he was down was the Arsenal fans. And I know we've talked about mm. this already, but it's, it's just amazing that, you know, we're building atmospheres in stadiums which aren't even ours. And uh, yeah, mm. that, that was a funny little thing to see, that um, <coughs> Haaland's down yeah. and we're, we're building the atmosphere.
0: No you're quite right the, the the away fans were honestly amazing and I had the the biggest fear of missing out ever I, I was just sort of sat in my seat like I really want to join in I really but um yeah it was it was hard but um they, they, they just were gone really over happy. there <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could I think there was a few people that sat around me starting to get a little bit like is this guy? Is this guy a city fan? But to be honest, <laughs> there, were, there were a fair few Arsenal fans in the home section. Like, was oh, it when you were, was it when you were singing the Saliba chant in the Mother City?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that gave it away slightly. <laughs> right, let, let's go into transfer talk then, because there is obviously a, a really big one um, doing the rounds at the minute, and that is focused around Moises Caicedo of Brighton. Um, there were. Uh, confirmation from big journalists that a sixty million bid was lodged and practically immediately rejected. Um, so first before we get into the financial elements of it, what what are your thoughts on, on Kaiseido as a player? Do you think he suits um, our team? Do you think he, he, he's gonna help elevate us and, and provide strength for the for the Premier League campaign?
1: Well, as we've uh, echoed quite a lot today, we really have a a, a lack of depth in that middle-of-the-park position. Mm -hmm. And he looks like the perfect sort of signing to be able to come in there. He's a young player. He's already... Premier League proven, he's coming from a decent Brighton team and they always play better when he's in the team. So I would be really happy for him to come in. And um, for me, he would already be a notch above conga in that position. So I'd be i would be, uh, I'd be really happy to see him come to the side and potentially if Partey gets injured or if we do need an understudy, then mm. he'll be able to fit right in, in, in my opinion. But the only thing that I would say to that is, as you're saying about the price, I do think the reason for getting him instead of waiting for the summer to get maybe a Declan Rice is that he should be the cheaper option. Now, with... (laughs) <laughs> with brighton rejecting a 60 million pound bid that just worries me a little bit because i don't think he's well i don't think he's worth 60 million to be honest so i don't think he's worth much more than that as well so if if we're able to wait for the summer and maybe get rice i don't know if i would just i'd just hold on and do that instead because i wouldn't be paying more than 60 million pounds for
0: caicedo i've seen strong um, journalists come out and say though that whether we get Caicedo now or in the summer, Rice is still on the tape like we're still interested in Rice. This isn't a case of one or the other. It's a case Ooh. of they want both. Um, that to, to me suggests that they see Caicedo as a potential to play in that Shaka number eight role um, because I have watched a few statistical breakdowns of his um, of his previous games for Brighton, and he does operate in that in that part of the the field more often than you associate him with. I think um, he's not got on the score sheet as much as maybe Xhaka has this season, but you know he's playing in a Brighton team. Let's not forget. So that's um, mm. no disrespect to Brighton, but uh, you know maybe this is in their in their thoughts because having a Declan Rice and a Kai Sado, uh, what's the number one thing that Arteta loves in players? Well, it's versatility. So, I think, I think Rice could play the number eight as well as a number six and, and vice versa with Caicedo. So, mm. having these two players in our, in our ranks alongside Xhaka and Partey is, is pretty, pretty strong, isn't it? There's always an option there no matter what injuries we've got. Um, so, that is interesting. But, um, the price, yeah, like you say, the price tags being associated with Kaiseido they're getting a bit ridiculous, aren't they? 60 million. Yeah. I was already a bit wary of that. And mind the, the, the 80 million, I think Brighton actually want for him, but the, these numbers have changed almost on a daily basis. Aren't they? at first it was a hundred, then it was 70, then it was 80, then it's 90. Like, you know, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's getting a little bit silly now. And, um, I just hope that we don't have another one of these pepe like situations where we we go into a, a signing full force not really valuing the player correctly and then we've got you know someone with an inflated price tag playing for us that that's not replicating that, that those numbers into performances yeah, well, I think that's something that we might have avoided with the whole Mudrik saga,
1: um, the whole Pepe situation. I think his his price was definitely overinflated, even though he doesn't like he will become a quality player. But I think, on reflection, if the trade-off for not signing Mudrick in this January transfer window was getting the likes of Trossard, or and then potentially Kai Sado as well, I think. In terms of depth, that is way smarter business than just spunking a hundred million on a on a on a wide forward do you know what i mean it's i, I feel yeah. like it's it, it's so so much more efficient to be able to cover those areas whilst we already have this amazing first 11 so yeah. you, know, yeah. you, you don't want to be spending all of your your money on one player whereas you could get three who are great cover and mm-hmm. we we've got cover now for a defender A attacker and potentially a midfielder as well. So, Edu's been really smart in his recruitment here. And if we do get Kaiseido, then we should have enough cover to be able to get us over the line.
0: Yeah. And that is the one position that I don't think we can afford to go into this second half of the season without, um, you know, maybe it's a case of Kaiseido is worth 60 million, but because of the, the fact that it's mid-season, Brighton want to be compensated for that. You know, c- can they get a player in time? How long have we got left of the transfer window? What, two two days? So mm. it's it's limited time for them to really find a replacement. If they don't find a replacement, they're going into the second half of the season, a player down, one of their key players down. Um, so they're going to want to be compensated. And if that means paying 20 million more, um, then then that's the the risk that we have to take. Um could you wait till the summer and get in for 60? Probably, yeah. But is it is it worth doing that for twenty million and potentially missing out on the Premier League title? Probably not. So it is a it's a um it's a frustrating position to be in. Um but one that I think we're gonna have to be forced into doing, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. Yeah, so um so that that's obviously the main link um, that we've got floating around. We've got two days left, like I've just said, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, the, the only other um, link we've got is is around Fresneda. Uh, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, a, a young 18-year-old right back from, um, from the Spanish League um, with reports of Suarez nearing closer to Fulham. This one makes... A little bit of sense but I think he's he's been put in a position where he needs to decide whether he comes to Arsenal or whether he goes to Dortmund I've seen conflicting reports, some some say that uh, Arsenal are leading the race, some say that Dortmund are leading the race so it's an interesting one but I think whatever happens in this situation um, Real Valladolid want him back uh, on loan for the remainder of the season and I think it makes a lot of sense for Arsenal because we don't really needs Suarez in the team do we so the fact that we're getting rid of him um, on loan taking 100k off a week off our books signing a player for the future you know it it makes perfect sense but we'll, we'll have to wait and see whether he chooses us or Dortmund yeah,
1: yeah, it seems like a sensible signing. It's one in, one out, really, isn't it? It's uh, getting rid of an ageing player and bringing in a young, promising player. And uh, mm. we don't really need to cover too much at the minute
0: because we've got White and Tommy Asu. But yeah, definitely one well for the future. Mm. Yeah. Uh, have I missed anybody else, else transfer-wise? I, f- I think that's about it.
1: No, the only thing that we could say is we've not yet seen anything from Kiwi or be interesting to mm. see how he performs because uh, we've we've signed him now so be interested to see how he does perform in his first game and uh will that be against Everton in our next match probably mm. not but yeah. <laughs> he, might, he, might, he might come on and make a uh, cameo appearance so uh that would be interesting yeah. to see
0: yeah I, I think he I think he's going to need a bit of integrating into the squad he's, he's not the sort of player that we want to be rushing in um Centre back, you make an error, it, it's it's huge, isn't it? A, a, up top, if you're a forward and you make a little error and you miss miss an easy chance, it, it, it's easily brushed under the carpet. So, I think we need to to bed him in nicely. I don't know ever he speaks English um, yet, so maybe that's another aspect that we need to we need to just take our time with that one. But. Um, it is a huge boost to us to our team nonetheless i i'm glad that we've we've strengthened in, in centre back because one one injury um to to any of our centre backs and you know um we're inc- incredibly weaker so um it's it's certainly a, a smart one yeah yeah I completely agree. Hey, i think that is about it for today's podcast Have, have you got anything else you want to talk about no, I think we've uh, pretty much. Uh, I'm not sure how we got over an hour really
1: uh, with the, with talking about a loss a loss to Man City, but that
0: just shows how much we can ramble about the Arsenal, doesn't it? So <laughs> yeah, this is the Arsenal ramble after all. Um, okay, guys, so thank you for listening. Um, really appreciate you tuning in. Um, Join us again for the... I think we'll we'll do a preview podcast for the Everton game. Um, So join us for that. Thank you again for listening, and we'll, we'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Take
1: care.